The Luck Stops Here podcast brought to you by mybookie.ag is uh, hosted by Scott Mouse. I think I mixed that up. I It's... Uh, the Lux Talks Here podcast with Scott Bowser is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. That's right. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code LSH for a 50% deposit bonus on your deposit to $100, up to $1,000, excuse me. And guess what? In addition to that free money, I myself am a MyBookie client, and they send me like 10 free dollars a week lately to play with for the NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, the Euro Cup, the U.S. Open, the, the the Open Championship is coming up. There's no excuse to not get in on the action over at mybookie.ag. Be a true degen. Go there. Use the promo code LSH and tell them Scott sent you. All righty. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show this week. Uh, for, this is a fun episode. I can't wait. I got a lot of fun stuff planned for us. Uh, and my guest is one of my favorites. Uh, she was just opening for Maria Bamford at the Hayward Theater, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody, Virginia Jones. Virginia, how are you doing today? Hi, Scott. I'm good. It was such a pleasure to be on the last ad read that you're ever going to do for mybookie.com. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I've, if I, uh, no, right, if, I've done so many ad reads where I mentioned that they're going to start doing legal cockfighting soon through mybookie.ag. <laughs> so if they haven't dropped me for that, they were not dropping me for. For that one, you're, you're pretty solid. Yeah, yeah um, I just got to do. I, I, it was my first gig after COVID, and it was a great gig. Eleven thirty in the morning on a Sunday at the Dynasty Typewriter in the the Hayward uh, in the Haywards building uh, for the Bammer, and um, she, because she, because Maria has decided she doesn't like to do shows at night anymore. She doesn't want to go to them, <laughs> so she's just like, I'm gonna do a show at. 11:30 on a Sunday, and she packs it out. That's she a good. That's, that's a good Maria impression. That's a, honestly matinee comedy is such a good idea. Yeah, and uh, uh, we had so much fun, and um, it's so sweet. The dynasty um, has hung a poster in the green room that says, "Let's never take this for granted again." Oh, uh, Utah, give me two. That's right. Make it exactly. two. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I just wanted to give the listeners a quick health update. I was just telling you off air, but like people have been following my saga with my cardiologist exams and whatnot. And I just want to say, I just came back from the doctor's office and I've been completely cleared on my stress test, my ultrasound, the heart monitor I wore for a week. So my heart is 100% healthy. There's no artery blockage. There's no valve problems. It's a perfect size. It's strong. It's, I mean, it's. It still holds a grudge against a few people, but who, I mean, <laughs> who, who isn't with me on that one, right? But uh, I really appreciate everybody that reached out to me during all this. Like, um, it, it meant a lot, like, help me get through it big time. And uh, I just had this sleep test coming up, and I know I was going to have to go to a sleep test because they think it's sleep apnea. That's what they think I'm dealing with. And so uh, I <laughs> um, was supposed to go to this office. And sleep there for the night and do this whole thing. And I'm glad they, it turns out they called me and my insurance doesn't cover the, the, that version of the sleep test. They only do the at home one where they send me home with a mask and do it. So I worked it out to where I time my appointment to where I get to take a half day at work on the day of my big FFPC football guys, players championship fantasy football draft. 
And so I'm a goddamn genius at this point. So making it work. Yeah. Making your health problems work for you. Exactly. Like so I'm gonna have some extra time to prepare for the draft that day. And I think there's some still some slots open if you look at the July 9th, seven PM uh it's in the Football Guys Championship over at FFPC, not sponsored, and I th- I want to be with them soon. I, just, I don't think they'll let me do cockfight reads, but I'm a big uh, supporter of what they got going on over there. But yeah, I'm, I, a big, I'm a big supporter of fictional cockfights too, yeah, for sure. Like, okay, so I found a guy who's trying to get grants together for like Mark Cuban, like, t- like Shark Tank type people who wants to create NFT cockfights. It's, no, thank you. It's pretty genius. No, thank you. <laughs> like I would get involved. What would you get? What would you get for your NFT cockfight? What is the What is the product? What is the What is the thing? Well, see, they have NFT horses right now, and so there's NFT horse races. So okay. you buy this NFT, and in, instead of buying an NFT that's really nothing, your NFT has a certain like uh, like genetic code through the blockchain process. And that genetic code plays out, or like, is that horse a late bloomer? They they simu- simulate the life of a real racehorse, and, they, and you can, uh, and it's but they, they see, are, they're they're virtual cocks. Yeah, that's so the, this they're, that virtual horses already exist, but this guy's trying to start virtual cocks. Okay, and, and I'm I, pro virtual cocks. I just want to make sure that I stay as far away from real cocks as possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've it's been an ongoing topic on the show about the. How there's been like 13 or something uh, cockfighting deaths in India alone over the last like 10 years because they, they, they fly up because they put the razor blades on them. They fly up and slice guys' throats and it's goddamn hilarious. And those guys, yeah, they couldn't deserve it more. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to I say I'm going to do something against my gender, something okay. that you won't usually hear a woman say. I have something positive to say about NFTs, which is it's a great training ground to explain conceptual art to people. Oh yeah. I see that thing that exists, but cause like Saul LeWitt is an artist who, when he sells you a piece, he sells you a document that says, when you install this Saul LeWitt piece, you're going to make a bunch of pencil markings, a quarter inch apart across X space. Like that is the piece you execute it according to his instructions i mean that's pretty much an nft it's, it only exists it exists in the mind whether you install it or don't install it the art doesn't change because it's just a concept uh-huh okay i like that and a lot no cox in it at all um because i love my favorite thing to do on podcasts is talk about things that we talked about five minutes ago i recently i um it was prime day so i had to buy this uh amazon halo exercise band okay it's, it's a little smart watch and so now amazon knows when my heart rate is high or not and um you know it, it tracks your sleep it tracks your exercise but you can get a live readout on your heart rate which is great because you used to have to have a chest strap and now it's just on your wrist yeah. so i was at dinner with my boyfriend and i'm like well i'm sitting and having dinner my heart rate is 63 and he has a fitbit and he was like well mine is 85. I'm like, well, that's not dinner eating heart rate, (laughs) right? That's walking or, you know, being extremely stressed. He's like, no, this is normal. I'm like, but it's not good. (laughs) He's like, 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 yeah, a lot of times when I'm asleep, it won't go go below 80. I'm like, 
Oh, you, I'm living with a dead man. So that's fun. Oh, that's, um, that's a blast. I thought I was going to have to go on blood pressure medication myself. I still might. You never know. Like, but Eventually you might. But for right now, you're okay. But yeah, it's 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 a puzzle because the boyfriend is a lot younger than me. I like to date younger because men will always be be children, and like I get them when they're cute. Yeah, you might as well. Um, like, look at me. I'm 42 I, and a bucket of shit now. So, <laughs> like, so like, yeah. So no, yeah. I now we have exercise watches, and then I I I know that my partner, his body thinks he's always on a trampoline. Oh wow! <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what do we do for this? He's like, and he's that's the thing is he's not fat. He's in great like he's a fine physical specimen. It's just that his heart, I guess, is just a, a lump of cheese or something. Or it's just a block of brie. That's all. It... Just a block of like semi soft brie, at, like room temperature. And I'm like, well, what does your doctor say? He's like, <laughs> he says I should exercise. I'm like, yeah, I guess yeah. you should exercise, fucker. Yeah. That's see. That's why I'm. I need to start exercising more. So I'm getting myself a golf club membership. I know a lot of people think that golf's not exercise, but I live in Las Vegas, where 100 degree summers going outdoors at all is 100 percent exercise. 100 percent, and it's more exercise than I assume you're getting now. So it's great. Yep. Yeah, it's something. It's something fun, and I get that there's a clubhouse there, where there's a restaurant and a bar, and it's got uh, card tables there. It sounds amazing. I think you absolutely should join. And because this show really is my love letter to degeneracy, and as a true degenerate, I, I really want people to know I'm going to really lean into like playing cards at the golf club. Like, like that's that's some degen shit right there. And I'm needy because I'm going to find the fellow gamblers at the golf course, yeah. and I will immediately. Those are the guys I go play on foursomes with, and we play like five dollars a hole, ten dollars, whatever. I'm down for the stakes, guys. We're in it. And you know that I'm sure you know it as a as a as a native as a as a local that if you're going to be a compulsive gambler, the best kind of gambling to do is horses like that. Oh yeah, that has the longest descent into madness because it takes you all day to lose all your money. I do horses and sports only, and actually I do pretty good on horses out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm winning on the Clipper game right now. I have a little action going on that. Um, okay. And I have something going on the hockey series too, but not to be too sidetracked. Like I only do horses. Like when I, cause like I sit there in the sports book, I put my, my bets in on the games and I'll sit there and watch it. Games take, you know, anywhere from two to three hours, depending on the sport. So that usually, you know, and a lot of them, you know, I'm only doing five, 10 bucks. So it's a good way to kill time. It's like going to a movie, you know, it's like going to a cheap matinee and, uh, and I'm getting drink tickets too, from a lot of the local, cause I'm a local they know me as a regular. They give me the drink mm-hmm. tickets. A lot of other re- locals will see me there and be like, hey, I'm leaving. Uh, I have a few extra drink tickets. These are for you kind of thing. Because they're only good for that day. So, yeah. But, uh, no, uh, but horses. I'm great at horses. Like, occasionally, I'll just want to catch one. I'll keep an eye on the horse books all day. Occasionally, I'll catch one on the corner of my eye. It's like, I, I know the jockey. I know the trainer. Because I've been going for like 30 years, going back with my grandparents back in the day. So I'll, I'll, I know enough about the jockeys and trainers. I'll see like one where at a weird price, or and then and if the horse has a cool name, I'll jump on it. And the last one I did that was there was a horse named Stanhope, and I won on Stanhope. <laughs> you had to, you yeah. had to put it down on Stanhope. Yeah, I won fifty bucks on that one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, but I don't do the tables. I don't do the tables. Got it. Tables will make, make you go broke. <laughs> that's something 
that's something that you've learned. Yeah, they don't just take because like the, they got the build like they don't build those huge rooms that are all nice with all the people right. working there. Think about how many people there are doing labor, right? Like the dealers, the cocktail waitresses, all that, and then the, how many suits are in there? The pit bosses, the shift bosses, like. There's so many people in on the dime. We're all getting paid. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, and it's funding the air conditioning and the all the electricity of these huge places, and they're making a tidy profit on them. So those game, especially the slots, it's like that is just stacked against you. There's no chance. That's a that's a good eye, Scott. You go in, you can detect margin. What yeah. you're seeing is the margin of business operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, there's a there's a lot going on there. And I had a I had a I did have a weird experience. Speaking of drink tickets, um, I had an experience during lockdown where I was like changing wallets because what else do I have to do, you know? And I had I found a because like some when you do comedy in Los Angeles, if you get paid at all, it's usually in drink tickets. Yes, and like that's valuable, but sometimes. I'll go to a show and I'll have already had a drink and, and then I have another drink and then they give me two drink tickets and I'll stow them in my wallet. I found two drink tickets. I don't know what show it was. I don't know what venue it was. <laughs> it was a million years ago when we were different people. Will the venue come back? Will I ever be in that room again? Will the bartender remember that this was like, the, it, 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 like it became like not valuable. Uh, but it was a, a surreal little moment. I'm like, what are these? It's a uh, it's a uh, the the drink ticket equivalent of a Dogecoin. Yeah, Where it was once something. Like cat. Is it, this a drink ticket? Is it not a drink? It ticket? was nothing. Then it became something for a brief period of time, and now it's nothing again. Now it's back to nothing. Yeah. Um. I I I'm not much of a gambler myself. When I do when I used to do shows, I don't mean to show off. I used to do something called triple runs. And they're the worst. Yeah, Dave Tribble. Yeah, I don't think he's ever come up on the show. Please explain. This is a, I've never no. done one, but I've I've done several people who have. Well, if you uh, like, there's certain places that are hot spots for triple runs: uh, Washington State, Oregon, Montana. Um, if you are a local like comic and you get to a certain level of mediocrity, you'll get these gigs. And um, a lot of them are in casinos and like they, they'll be in, but they'll be in roadhouses and, and like, and basically it's like, you're going somewhere to do comedy to a bunch of people who didn't know they were getting comedy and who don't really want it. Um, but you've driven there, so you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I would do casinos and you're only making, I'm going to tell a, a industry secret, a hundred bucks. Like you're getting a hundred bucks in a room. I think there should be more transparency on road gigs. I think comics would get paid a lot better if there was more yeah. transparency. So, so like as a feature, you're making a hundred bucks, which is what you get when you're a beginner. You know, you're making a hundred bucks, you're getting a room, you're getting maybe like a meal voucher and you can very easily spend that money. So my rule was I could spend 20 bucks at the casino and I would usually find a blackjack machine because, or not a blackjack machine, but a poker machine. So I could pretend that I was having like autonomous decisions, like that I was doing things. And I would lose 20 bucks slowly. One time on a $100 gig, I won $100. And I honestly, I 
felt like a millionaire. I felt like <laughs> going to space. It was so good. But usually I would just lose my money slowly. And it's harder and harder to find the poker slots because they're not as fast turnover as just like what sparkly cats can you get in a row? Yeah, uh, Kitty Glitter. I know that. I know that game. Yes. <laughs> I'm fully aware yeah. of Kitty Glitter. The only, the only like slot slot I ever really played was one night I was doing a show. There's this one venue on the Central Coast in Oregon, and it's terrible. And everybody who works there knows it's terrible because the room is open to the gaming floor. Oh, and yeah, that's uh, so there's just constant noise and it's really hard to build momentum in your act. Like it's hard to like any laughs you get die out immediately. And I was doing it with my friend, Augie Smith. And, you know, I was featuring, I knew the room. I knew I was going to eat shit. I was comfortable with it. Like I've done, I've eaten shit before. I'll do it again. And they paid 200 bucks because they know it's a shitty gig. And then he ate shit for his headline spot. And he explained to the crowd, you guys are wrong. I am the only comedian who has ever won San Francisco International Comedy Competition and Seattle in the same year. You guys are wrong. And then after that, he had to smoke pot and play the Sex in the City slot machine. So we did that together. <laughs> and I don't know what was happening with that machine. Like sometimes we go, Mr. Big, and there'd just be shoes. Like I have no idea what was happening, but I did play that. That's pretty cool. I mean, I had Androsky on in one of the early episodes, and he told the story of ironically playing a Big Bang Theory slot and hitting for a million dollars. Wow. After tax, and they, they, they don't give you, it's like, it turns out, I always thought, like, if you win a million there, that you win a million. No, they treat it like the lotto, where yeah. it's like you get the payments or the lump sum, which is like half, and then you get right. taxed on that. You get, and, you get screwed on the, well, if you're young, you do the payments, and if you're old, you do the lump sum. Yeah. I don't know. I'm middle age. What do I? <laughs> what do you do? Oh, I'm gonna. I want to tell you a really weird casino comedy story. Oh yeah, yeah. I love these. And the great thing about me and telling gossipy stories is I don't remember anybody's name. Oh yeah. So, so you don't care. You don't. Uh, you can't burn it's them. It's not. It's not liable <laughs> because I can't. No. So I was doing this same gig in Florence, Oregon, and um. That just sounds like a place where there's a federal penitentiary. No, that's Florence, Colorado. But yeah, that sounds like so, the kind of place where uh, hardened men do hardened things to each other with hardened shivs and hardened cocks. Exactly. And then they sell an NFT of it. <laughs> um, I was doing this show in Florence and like, so, you know, like I say, I did it all the time. I knew it was shitty. And the headliner was a guy that I'd only seen once in Universal uh city in, like in that shitty um john lovett's club no even shittier <laughs> oh. across the street across the street oh from... universal bar and grill yes correct correct <laughs> yeah that, sh that shitty hit it's it, oh it, i know it, my it, bad valley rooms <laughs> it's it's an open mic that they signed 40 people up to yes yes and it just runs for hours and hours, and it's awful. I've done it twice, and each time I regretted it more than the last. Yeah, time. and they call, they call each one a different show, so right. it'll be it's like all the same show. Yeah, but it's all the same show, and just and hey, you're on the nine o'clock show, so you show up at nine o'clock, and then it's like nine forty five, and they're still on the eight o'clock show or whatever. Right, they're still halfway through. Yeah, so um, I had seen the headliner there, 
and he was a guy whose his whole bit was that he was Scottish, and it was all about haggis and kilts and what have you. That's a lot of fun. He saw. And I guess he saw Braveheart. I think he did. <laughs> so I met him before the show, and I said, "Buddy, this is a real shit show. What is your plan?" And he was like, "Well, I'm going to open with this, and I'm going to, and then I'm going to do crowd work." I'm like, "You can't do crowd work on this show." Because they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to know about you. And he was like, well, I'll just wing it. I'm like, you can't wing it on this show. You're going to burn three hours of material in 45 minutes. That's yeah. what's going to happen That's, yeah, on yeah. this show. <laughs> and um, I got up. I did my time. I got four laughs. Fine. And he got up and he started eating shit with a Scottish accent. Like nothing I've ever seen. And it... <laughs> 30 minutes he produced a ukulele and at 45 minutes he started talking about how he was closing soon and then the sound man said to me if he doesn't do an hour i can't pay him i'm like i don't know what you want me to do with that it's not my business yeah. and um, yeah i did my time i'm getting paid for my time <laughs> I, I, I don't know dude well he was he was saying it to me as if i was his keeper or as if like i had like a mental like connection with this person that i would be able to tell him so um yeah i'm gonna telepathically get this dipshit to be funny for 15 minutes out of nowhere 15 more minutes so uh so he ate shit it was fine i asked him if he was okay he said yes i hung out with my friend who i had dragged out on the road with me and um my next shows were in portland and i was telling someone about this guy and they said oh did you know he's not scottish and i said what and they were like, yeah, it's all an act. He's from Montana. Oh, my God. It was like their prestige. But he was fake Scottish all the time. Like, all the time fake Scottish. It's like how uh, Carlos Mencia is really a German guy named Ned. Yes. <laughs> and it, was, it really freaked me out. I'm like, what if I was close? Because like, he was Scottish before the show. He was Scottish during the show. He was Scottish after the show. I'm like what if we were close friends? Like, what if we were like, what if we were dating? Like, when does he just drop the act and say, Oh, by the way, I'm not Scottish. I'm from Montana. My name's really Steve. I'm out. from Montana. Yeah, I know. So he saw Braveheart and he became the Scottish comic. Yes. And that was his whole, uh, and it makes me on the one hand, I'm fascinated by it, but on the other hand, it makes me very sad. Yeah. No. Well, like uh, Mr. Goodnight, I think a few people have seen him drop the character occasionally. Right. I was recently. I'm fascinated by Mr. Goodnight. Okay, I, I should get him. On, I should get him on the show. I bet you he's got some great DJN stories. I um, uh, you know, he was doing that podcast with Rivers Langley. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I was booked on the show, and like I gotta say, when I first got to LA, if I was on a show, if I was on a mic or on a show, and Mr. Goodnight was on it, like that made my day. Oh yeah, he was Mr. great. Goodnight, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's a cowboy. He's a wrestler. He's doing an accent that is actually kind of like my home accent. It's from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. He he he's got a very a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Dusty Rhodes. If there is some similarity to Dusty Rhodes, like he's got the hey, daddy, I'm over here. Hey, daddy, hey, y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I loved him. I unabashedly loved him yeah he's hilarious but uh the show so i was excited to be on rivers the show and it, it's it's a it's a a great show um if i were a, a good comedian i could remember the name of it but you know, <laughs> podcast is great oh the goods from the woods oh yeah 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 
And um, I was booked on his show, on his podcast, and I was so excited to do a podcast with Mr. Goodnight because I never really had like a long conversation with Mr. Goodnight. Yeah, I've talked to him outside of mics for here, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never sat like talked one on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then he didn't show up because it was daylight savings day, and no one told him that the clocks were changing. So he was like, <laughs> like we, everybody was texting him, like, "Where are you?" He's like, "Oh, Daddy, isn't that in an hour?" But um, I, I took Rivers to dinner recently, semi-recently, um, and and he informed me that Mr. Goodnight has gone back to the East Coast where he's from. He's an East Coast dad. Yeah, he's from Boston. Yes, he's a Boston guy. Yeah, he was telling me he's, he, he's like a fucking like Harvard English professor or some shit, I think. Like it's a- he recently, I, I, I was recently asked to like a Facebook page in his, like, in his real life name. Oh, the so plot thickens. And it's, it, the plot does thicken. <laughs> it's fascinating. I really, I really do love him. I love his whole thing. Yeah, no, it's a funny, like, yeah, because it's like, I, I've never seen him drop the character, and, like, I've talked to him, like, cause, like I was like, you're from, I'm like, and then it, someone finally told me, it's like, that's not, I, you know, I'm like, that's like, not who he is, yeah. I'm like, do you ever, like, drop it? He's like, ah, oh, you know, when I'm out doing this, this is what I do, daddy. And it's like, you know, I, I'm a, I'm okay with that, you know, that's pretty cool, like, but no, yeah, he, and he looks like, ah, oh, I'm trying to. He kind of looks like like a like a David Crosby type with like the big mustache. He looks, he looks like a David Crosby type. He looks like um he looks like a cartoon character. He kind of looks like Yosemite Sam. 100% that's who I wanted to say. <laughs> he looks like Yosemite Sam in a cowboy hat and he's wonderful and I love him. He's great. Like, so weird cuz it's so like I um I'm going to segue into something that doesn't seem to make sense, but then it'll come back around. Because uh, I think comedy, and, you know, and, and like I was talking to, I was talking to the Bammer about this. Sorry, I dropped a name. That <laughs> um, the weird thing about stand-up comedy is that it's like 500 things, but they're all the same thing. So like, like a person doing super highbrow, like a Kate Berlant doing a highbrow commentary on East Coast pseudo intellectualism and a man doing racist puppetry like it's all comedy yeah it's not like like in music it's broken down to genres right and comedy never thought to like really i mean people say like alt comedy versus club but it's all the same shit really i mean it's like it's right so uh so that's a weird thing like my comedy has always been like almost like you know too honest um and and like one time I was married to a person and then, and then that person said, I don't want to be married anymore. And then I went to an open mic and started talking about like the end of my marriage and like people asked, like, and, and like, this was in my local scene in Portland and, and no one had ever known me to not be married to this person. And so people came up to me afterwards and said, Oh, was that made up? I'm like, and, and I, and I realized like, I've never lied about anything on stage ever. Like it's only ever been real but then there's people who make up this whole persona. I find it exhausting. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm coming at it from a totally different angle. It's very weird. Well, it's like I know Neil Hamburger or Greg Turkington. I, I, and you know, like I, like, and it's funny. Like I've hung out at the bar with Greg when he's just hanging out as Greg. And he's he like, himself. yeah. And then I'll be like, hey, hold on, I gotta go get ready for the show. And then he goes and puts the suit on and does his hair all up. 
and he comes back out in character as Neil Hamburger. Because you can't, you can't not be. Uh, trivia fact: This is this is one for the real ones. Um, my apartment complex, Greg used to live here, and the only reason I really know that is that they never ever changed the like unit listing at the front. And so Greg <laughs> Turkinson is listed as being on, in unit twelve, and I always kind of thought, I'm like, oh, I wonder if he still lives there. But now my ex-roommate lives in Unit 12, so I know it's not him. But yes, Greg Turkinson used to live in my <laughs> That's great. No, because like, I've gone to uh, Cha Cha Lounge when he's bartending there as Neil Hammer, and it's hilarious. Wow. I've never seen him in the wild in that way. Like it was so I went with Doug Pound. It was so fucking funny and like he was just behind the bar like hooking us up with free drinks. He knows us. It's just <laughs> That's really fun. No, it's a great it's a great character and it's a very like wise character. Yeah, and but the thing is is like there's a difference between like he drops it and does the character and then drops the character and goes back to being like but like for like in the case of like a Mr. Goodnight or the Scottish guy like you're saying where they just live the character. They just live it. They just live it because I guess they you know uh, the Scottish guy, yeah, I, I became like kind of morbidly fascinated. Like, how good would I have to know him for him to tell me? Yeah, I'm from Butte, Montana. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, um, yeah. What point? Like, if you're like, if you guys are just driving from gig to gig together on the road, like, don't like not even really friends, but like, hey, we're carpooling to the next show together, and you get into a bad accident. And they've got a vouch for you, like at the scene of the crime, like, at the scene of the accident. Like they're the one that's conscious. Look over, and he's like, "Well, my name is Mark, and I live <laughs> yeah. in Burbank." Yeah. What the fuck? Um, actually, on that same okay, so on that same like tour, like I call it a tour. It, it wasn't a tour, Scott. It was just a series of one nighters that were all strung together. Um, but I, I headed up and I did three nights in what is lovingly called the tri-cities uh it's it's yakima uh richland and kennewick in washington state okay okay so it's three tiny shitty towns i believe yakima is where e the eastern washington screaming eagles play red 100%. eagles yeah 100 percent. so i was i was featuring for a local headliner in portland and um as it happens on, I think it was the same trip. So he, he was the person who talked a lot about um, having been a cop in New York and uh, how his dad was a Marine who killed himself and like all this stuff. And I came to find out that trip that he was also full of shit. Like the, none of those things were true. I was like, ran as easy with nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, like the, that was just part of like, and, and like, and you find out later and you're like, well, it was weird that I met him when he was 24 and he had already left a career in policing in New York to move to Oregon. That does seem like when you say like, but I'm a very naive person. I take people at face, like whatever you say. And um, it was a crazy weekend because he actually melted down on our second night and I had to like finish the show. And uh, and he was like he was fired while I was on stage because uh, he fucking ate it so bad and um you know and i was like i was like he's weird i don't want to be friends with him but at the beginning of covid again not i, I do know this person's name but i'm not going to use it um at the beginning of covid portlanders started reaching out to me and saying you know this person is dying of covid and oh. it was like march of last year and it really wigged me out because i was like fuck 
I guess this is my first friend who I've lost to this thing. Yeah. And he died. He did die. Oh, he did die. Oh, I, I thought it was a grift. But then his mother announced he died of alcoholism, you guys. Like, calm down. He uh, drank himself to death at, like, maybe 38. Whoa. Um, and it's still very, very sad. That's very sad, and yeah. And then it got really weird because then, like, local <laughs> comics started going after his mom for money he owed. And, like, there had to be this, like, public announcement. It's like, look, he's dead. He was a scumbag. If you gave money to a scumbag, that's on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just got to let – Especially if it's, like, 25 bucks. Like, I can't. Come on. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It, there's no there, – there is no money. There never was. You can't give an addict money. The end. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, those are three stories about weird liars. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> but I just, I, I'm, I'm just naive in many ways. Like, if someone tells me a thing, I'm like, okay, well, that's true. Well, that's, yeah. And, I mean, there's a difference, too, between, like, comics, like, taking stuff from the truth and, right. like, comedically shaping it to make the bit work. Like, they're, they're, like there's a lot of comedies like rooted in truth but it, like yeah it's not like it didn't go down exactly right. like you're that. like you're like well this fact doesn't help the story this can be edited this can be shaped yeah and we all accept like we all accept a certain amount of horseshit right like, yeah that's like, part of the thing yeah, so, it's, like, yeah to get the most someone whose whole persona is horseshit and it's it's almost scary because you don't know where reality yeah is, i'm trying right? to think who else does that like who else is like a character that they don't break um Oh, the Brothers Brothers guys can be kind of annoying with it. Oh, I don't know them. Um, the woman dude can't. Uh, I mean, they're cool, but like, like I, I went to a comedy festival with them once, and the one guy was like, like they're very cool to hang out with, and I don't, cause I don't want to say any names. I'm not going to say who is it. But... Oh, is it is it Brothers also from the East Coast? No, 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 not this like the oh, okay, Midwest okay. or whatever. But it's like maybe like a redneck, like uh, like country kind of like tandem act, and uh. We're hanging out and like uh, it's like the one guy you know drops the character at night when we're hanging out at because like at a comedy festival you're hanging out with people for like a weekend that you wouldn't hang out with normally, and so it's like we're sitting there, and then the other guy just would not drop the character like the entire time, and it was getting to the point where everybody's like, "Dude, come on, man! Like, yeah. we're, you're just doing this in a room of comics that have been are, are like three days of doing com nothing but comedy nonstop. We're a little burnout right now, like." Right. Like, Calm down. Yeah, dude. Who do you who are you trying to put on a show for, dude? This is the worst open mic I've ever been to. <laughs> okay, Virginia. Um, I'm so stoked to have you for this one because uh, I got a couple of local news stories for us to get down with on this one. I'm really excited because uh, today, June 24th, is the day we're recording it. I'm not sure if this is going to come out tomorrow, Saturday, or next week, depending on my next week's schedule because things are a little crazy right now, everybody. I'm sorry. Um, but so resorts world, the newest monstrosity on the strip. It's the biggest one by a mile. Like you thought the wind was big. No, this place is huge. And so resorts world opens today, June 24th. And it's like, okay. So I've been talking about the new circa that opened up last fall, but I finally got to go there a couple weeks ago. And it's incredible. It's like they went for like the old mob Vegas vibe. It's fucking awesome. But it's a brand new modern, like all the top amenities, like the slot machines there have automatic phone chargers. 
so your phone just charges as it's sitting on top of the slot machine. It's fucking amazing there, and it's twenty one and over hotel, which you know you're like, oh, aren't they all? No, like kids can still go in the lobby and go to the restaurants, and no, this is one hundred percent twenty one and over. You can't even walk in the building. Unless you are of age. God damn it, Clippers. You're fucking me over in this first half. Um, but Resorts World, I believe they are going for the exact opposite approach. Let me look up this article I had pulled up about them. This really made me laugh. Um, okay, Resorts World opening its doors to the public today. A technologically savvy hotel in... Uh, oh, God. Sometimes it just doesn't want to do this. Okay. Open today at 11 p.m. So it's going to open tonight, actually. So um, it's offering, uh, looks pretty lame, pretty lame. But it's basically four hotels in like a crisscross that are merging like four, like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's a Hilton, a Conrad, a Crockford's, I can't remember what the other one is, but like they, and like it's supposed to like share a common area. So picture like a crazy huge, like, oh my God, like thank God that building wasn't around on 9 11. Am I right? It, it looks just <laughs> awful. Uh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get to this. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I should be more prepared. I know. Um, it's only your podcast, dude. I know, I know, and I can edit if if it gets bad. <laughs> okay, so oh, Resorts World Las Vegas says one of its goals is to be the most crypto friendly resorts in the valley. It is teamed with Gemini, and they are looking to letting customers use Gemini's crypto wallet at the hotel. So they they're they're really trying to like be the most high tech spot, but it's like. And there's like cashless gambling. I guess it does sound kind of cool, but like the fact that it's basically the world's biggest Hilton, and eh, from this guy, I'm already giving it a thumbs down. I don't want to go to fucking Disneyland. I want to go to fucking Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro Casino. <laughs> like, but it sounds like Vegas achieving its ultimate form. Now, can you charge? Now, this is my question. Okay, what's that? You know, do the chargers on the on the games? Is it like pad charging? Yeah, yeah it's like it. no, it's just pad charging. She's like, oh, that's, that's hot, right? I want to go to there. Yeah, the circuit rules. So it's like I'm sure they're gonna have that at Resorts World too. But like, I think you would like the circuit a lot. It's pretty cool. Like, it makes you feel like you're back in the old mob days. And like, who doesn't want to? Who does not want to feel like that? Okay, so now I got the funny news story. So Resorts World opens today. It's a huge clusterfuck of a mess. Uh, I personally think they're a big crock of shit over there. Uh, and they can go fuck themselves. Anything else to add? <laughs> I'm giving Iron Sheik reviews on places now. They are the jabroni. They can go fuck they are, themselves. They are made of dirt. Yeah, fuck the I, Hulk Hogan. I the I, fuck the, I fuck that in his asshole. Yeah, fuck the I fuck the Hulk Hogan in his ass. <laughs> okay, this one, uh, Virginia. I know you're a vegan, so this might be a little sensitive. I'm not gonna lie, but an obese pig abandoned in cage on Las Vegas Street is on the men, and this thing is 
huge. I should post a picture of it on the show's Instagram page. Oh, maybe I'll remember. It yeah, is. You know that meme of the picture of the pig shitting on its own balls? It looks like that one. You lost me, bud. Okay, well, but a severely I'm overweight. Gonna, I'm Googling a, a beast pig on the strip because I want to be part of the fun. Well, it wasn't on the strip. It was on South Nellis near Hacienda and South Nellis. I kind of know where that is. That's that's over on the other end of town from where I live. But okay. uh, a severely overweight pot-bellied pig is recovering at the Animal Foundation after being abandoned in the cage outside of Las Vegas' home. The female pig, which rescuers named Cupcake, was found June 2nd in a wired dog kennel by a resident on the sidewalk outside his home near East Hacienda. So can you imagine waking up in the morning and someone's left like a wired dog kennel with a giant, uh, 175-pound pig in it? Cupcake... For those of you, and you should go check out the image that Scott is going to post. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. Cupcake is so fat, she looks like a jelly bean <laughs> expand, like a like a cotton candy jelly bean expanded like a thousand times its size. Like she has no discernible shape. No, yeah, it's it's. There's just like a little ears and snoot, and that's not her fault. No, that's it's not. not. Her fault. She is a morbidly obese pig, you guys. Yeah, uh, the approximately three-year-old pig was taken to the Animal Foundation where her weight, 175 pounds, rather than the 140 to 150 that would be normal for a pig of her size, immediately raised concerns. This is from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, by the way. Cupcake is extremely obese and struggles to move, uh, says Tasha, Tasha Crabtree, a licensed veterinarian technician at the Foundation. She also had overgrown hooves and dirty ears. That's the part Who's that... to judge? Who's to judge? You do too. Yeah, like, I- I'm sorry, but like... A severely overweight pig left on the street, and they're going to be like, and by the way, her ears were dirty. That's a, some kind of <laughs> fucking sniveling twit of a cockroach wrote this article. Oh, poor cupcake and her dirty hooves. I'm not going to name this writer by name, but you guys can look up the story on the Las Vegas Review Junior and judge. I bet you look on Twitter, they have some awful takes. I'm just going to say that right now. Well, she, I mean, she's, she, a pig is like a baby. Like a pig is as smart as a five-year-old, but she still doesn't have the power to go get herself a pig a cure, you know? That's true. <laughs> she needs people help. Um, they, they trimmed her hooves, cleaned her ears, eyes and ears, and she's uh, being monitored and giving a new diet. So I guess it's, it's a happy they're doing, ending they're on doing this the, They're doing the slim fast where she yeah. has a shake for breakfast a- shake for lunch and a, and a reasonable dinner yep. and you know what god bless the people that found this pig and are doing the right thing uh so this is a happy story because most i was selling virginia i have some local stories because most of them are usually just human trafficking and murders uh and most of the murders by the way are tourists murdering other tourists oh so it's not locals uh-huh. not like in new orleans yeah it's not yeah it's not like uh, new york city or whatever you know it's uh I uh, one time uh, I don't mean to like show off about my fancy lifestyle, but I was um, I was lift driving, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, we drove through a um, an anti human trafficking like demonstration in Pasadena, and the dude in my car said, "I don't get it. Who's pro human trafficking?" And I said, "People who go to prostitutes." And then he was real quiet. Ah, <laughs> I'm like yes. <laughs> Oh, the service that you get has a cost of humans. Well, I used to live and right. I'm th- assuming Cupcake was also a sex worker. I used to live. Yeah, well, in this town, everybody is. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I used to live right there at Western in Santa Monica. And you go down yeah. Western right there, like right north of Melrose. It's like a prostitute yeah. track. And, and, and specifically, well, and, and parts of Santa Monica, Santa Monica, for some reason, near um, the studios is is trans women. Yeah, it's Western is fresh fish, if we're going to be using yeah. the correct okay, street okay. terms. And then they move. Yeah, and then the fake fish is what they say about the trans workers on Santa Monica. It's a whole thing. There's a fantastic movie called Tangerine, which kind of details this lifestyle. Which, have you ever That's seen good. that movie? Have you ever seen Tangerine? No. Oh, it's great. Uh, it's a. Uh, they shot I've it like on a, iPhones. It's so good. It's. So, I've seen a. I, I saw um uh like the Young Hot Girls movie, uh the documentary about especially like the the um the barely legal girls. Oof. Uh, yeah, no, and like it's so funny because like there would be times where like living right there, that Winchell's would be the only one of the, one of the only things sometimes late night to go eat at. And like when I worked mm-hmm. at Hard Rock Cafe. I don't want to eat at the same restaurant every day. Sometimes I'm getting home at 3 a.m. So I ride yeah. my bike a couple of blocks down and I pick up a bagel sandwich or whatever, you know, people would like and like there was a couple of times where like if I if I was like so I would see crazy shit. Like I remember watching a corner where like a girl hopped in a car with a guy took off and then a, like an SUV pulled up immediately and dropped another girl off at that corner. Like, wow. Like they, like they they keep their yeah. they keep merchandise on the shelves, so to speak. Like Yeah. Um uh one of the weird things about Lyft driving is that you would be in certain neighborhoods and you would see sex workers at like ten AM on a Wednesday. And you would think to yourself, that can't be a very profitable time, but then you realize if it wasn't a profitable time, they wouldn't be out here. Yes. Yes. It's like women like our sexuality starts at 7 p.m on a friday and then ends at like 8 p.m on a sunday and then men's just goes i guess 24 hours it's i having seen what i've seen there because there was times i'd be leaving for my office job where i'd have to be there till 9 a.m or whatever yeah and i'd be seeing them like getting on the bus at like 7 30 yeah so i mean it that, that tracks but like the crazy thing for me was okay seeing them do the drop-offs like that crazy but a couple of times if I was like, because there's the Mel, I was always taking the bus. And so that certain line that would take me certain parts of town down on Melrose. So if I'm walking down to that bus line or maybe let's say like 11 p.m. or so, mm-hmm. I'd have guys coming up to me going, no, man, they don't come out till like 2, 3 a.m., dude. It's saying, You're not oh. in the right places, dude. And it's like, no, I well, wait, what, the bus? No, I'm pretty sure it'll be there in eight minutes when I walk down. <laughs> you fucking jag off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um uh in portland there was we had a silver guy which at the time i thought we were the only ones and um uh you know he would he would he would be a silver guy downtown for for change all day and one time i was out uh in the hinterlands like past 73rd in portland and i saw him getting on the bus and i'm like silver man takes the bus like and he was all painted <laughs> silver you guys i'm like and he can't sit down so he stands up long way to downtown dude but yeah that felt magical i'm like oh, i'm seeing the silver man i remember seeing uh um like the same lady on the bus like every day for like two years at this job i had and yeah. finally one day i ran into her and her friends at a bar and finally i was like you know i'm gonna say you know i'm like hey yeah uh i i take the bus with you she's like yeah i recognize you i'm like you know now we can at least like nod to each other kind of thing it's like now 
we're best friends. We're best friends, you know, kind of thing. It's like, I, I think we should do, like, when you, because, like, I used to see a guy, this is pretty funny, on the bus all the time, especially the two, I mean, the four line up and down Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm-hmm. But it would be like, uh, like I always he looked like Down syndrome T.J. Miller. Like he didn't have Down syndrome. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like he looked like T.J. If if things didn't break a certain way for T.J., right. this might be who this human being is. Like he might be this particular individual. It's a thin line. It's very thin, line. and like I would always like kind of like stare at him, and I think he like caught me staring because I'm just like having these like hilarious like oh man that'd be so funny oh god this is hilarious and then it's just like oh oh man and like my but bus my people weirdest, you know <laughs> my weirdest bus person story was in Portland I would always ride the bus and uh, one time I was in New York City and I was in Times Square and it was a fucking nightmare. And this guy walks by, like, walking the other way. And I said, excuse me, do you take the 14 Hawthorne bus in Portland? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're my bus. You're my bus friend. And he says, yes, you're my bus friend. We were both on vacation in New York at the same time. That's so weird. And we kind of be, we kind of got to be a little bit friends. Yeah. You say hi. You see, yeah, you see, the, you see the, yeah, you see the same couple people every day. You're kind of bus friends. Yeah, like a commu- uh That happened to me before. I got my I got a car a few months ago, but I hadn't had a car living in Vegas yet, and so I was taking Ubers to work every yeah. morning, and it was a pain because like there was a shortage during COVID, and it would like I would have to wake up super early in the morning, and I just wake up early in the morning now. But, like that's just my thing. But uh, I so I would do that, but there's a couple times I had the same driver a few times, and then there was this one girl. She was super cool. Like we kind of became buddies. Like it was just like, yeah, you're cool. Like basically, like, hey, when this shit's over and I see you around town, I'll buy you a drink. You're all right. <laughs> no, I have I have a couple friends that I've made uh, driving Lyft, and then sometimes I would pick up someone who I thought was my friend, but they wouldn't recognize me. Like it was very weird. Um, one time, uh, uh, my friend used to run karaoke uh, on the rooftop at the Ace Hotel. And one time he was the, and like, it, it was like twice a month. So I was always there. One time he was there and he said, I think that Jake Gyllenhaal is here. And I said, shit. And, um, I went to go check it out and it looked like Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm like, John, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is here. But then, um, I turned around and came back and Jake Gyllenhaal got off his stool. And I saw that he was not Jake Gyllenhaal. Cause I'm pretty sure that Jake Gyllenhaal is not five foot fucking five. And so I went back to my friend. I'm like, that's not Jake Gyllenhaal. It's a fake Jake Gyllenhaal. And then I was driving Lyft and this guy gets into my car and I said, oh, you're tiny Jake Gyllenhaal. And he's like, why does everyone always say that? <laughs> you know, it's like LA's a big town, but it's not as big as you think. No, no. You see the same people. I feel like when you move to LA, and I, I mean, I'm from the LA area, but I feel like when you move into the city, you get like a, you get like a, like a 20 people that are just yeah. randomly assigned to you and you're going to see these fuckers Everywhere you go, no matter what, there's nothing you can do about them. You're not, you might as well say hi eventually, right? Because this is your crew that you've been assigned. Yeah, like yeah, you're 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 like a it's like a like a mighty duck situation where you got the DUI <laughs> and your law firm makes you uh, for your community service coach a hockey team. Again, I don't mean to show off, but on Monday I did a show that was in the backyard in Winnetka. Ooh, that's and deep. A guy told me a funny story. Um, this guy's a bartender at 
the bungalow in Santa Monica. And for those of you who are not in the LA area, um, the bungalow is just like a depository for douchebags. It's just like a big hole that douchebags go into. It's very fancy. I would say it's they're trying to be what the Regal Beagle was on Three's Company. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, it's it's like almost touristy. It's so Santa Monica. Anyway, so this guy, he's a bartender. And the other night, Matt Damon is in. And Matt Damon gets so drunk, he falls off of his bar stool. <laughs> and he has like a cut on his head. Like a cut opens up and everybody's very upset. Yeah, it's like a, there's a movie yeah. star there. It's, it's something crazy happened. So. Right. And then, uh, so, and Matt Damon does not want any ambulance called for him. Matt Damon does not want word to get out that Matt Damon, you know, got a concussion at the bungalow. So he's like, no, no, guys, I'm fine. I'm fine. And my friend goes, uh, well, do you know your name? And he says, uh, yeah, I'm Matt Damon from We Bought a Zoo. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. That's a pretty good. It's a pretty good. That's a flex right there. You know, it's. Oh my god, that's so good. That's. Uh, that'd be like that's like on the level of like, hi, my name's Al Pacino. You might know me from Jack and Jill. You might have heard of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, just the deepest, the deepest cut, the deepest of all cuts, Scott Bowser. Oh, that's so good. That is so phenomenal. Uh. Matt Damon seems like a cool guy. Ben Affleck was just in town uh, shooting a movie, and Jen was down there and saw him. Nice. So hopefully uh, those millionaires are doing okay. (laughs) You know what? I hope so. I hope hope that they've managed to survive. I hope that everything's going okay. I hope that their meditation practices are all right. Yeah. I I love how, like, Jared uh, Leto, what was that story of, like, how he found out about COVID while being, like, on his cult retreat? Right, while he was on a silent retreat. Yeah, <laughs> that that poor fucker, you know. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. A global pandemic got in your uh, meditation weekend way. It's, it, it was it was almost like when when people are on reality shows and they get shut off from from everyone and and like and then something big happens and it and it passes like it's it's a creepy feeling to be disconnected because none of us are disconnected like like Jared Leto might have, I mean, he might as well have been like uh, you know uh, 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 an obscure like uh, tribe in the Borneos like he's <laughs> that level. Well, like I mean, part of the reason why I started this show was like at first I wanted to do like a almost like a Sam Eighth Rothstein's show in Casino mm-hmm. meets Anthony Bourdain, where I kind of <laughs> give like a local perspective on what's going around and and uh, do it kind of my way though, right for the DJs. And, uh, but then it turned into like, cause of COVID, it was like, well, everything's closed. So how do I, and I was like, well, catch up with your friends. That's always fun. Your friends will have degenerate stories or funny stories of the road, whatever. And, like, and so like, that's what it, this has turned into. And it's like, I'm having the time of my life doing it, you know, but it's like, really? it's not exactly what I set out to do, but yeah. you know, I try like, Hey, I'll try and hit resorts world here soon and let the, and give a report. I mean, I can tell you right now, it's going to suck balls because anything that big can't be good here. That's one thing I've learned. You get too many fucking people. Like I don't. I mean, and, and if a huge conventions in town, great. They can they can host four of them. No, mm-hmm. you know they they can host ten conventions, no problem <laughs> at once. Like, but I don't want to be there. I don't want to be a part of that. 
That's not my vibe. Right. Um, when I first moved to California, I lived in Long Beach because I didn't understand that Long Beach was nowhere near L.A. <laughs> That's not far from where I grew up in Whittier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, many, many Smith cover bands that I'm friends with are from Whittier. Oh, yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense. As far as I can tell, it's all Smith cover bands. <laughs> actually um, makes... That's, that's my take. Also, trivia fact, uh, Patricia Morrison, formerly of uh, Sisters of Mercy, currently married to the lead singer of The Damned, Dave Vanian. Whoa. She's from Whittier. And they, they have a house there. Anyway, that's goth updates from Whittier. Um, but <laughs> that's I lived, what we need. I lived in Long Beach, and we had, uh, there's like, Long Beach has this convention center, and it's beautiful. It looks like the Crystal Palace uh, from the, um, uh, uh, from Paris in the, the like, 1900s. It's, a, it's like a duplicate of it uh, from the World's Fair. And, um, but like, they would host all manner of things like one week like and i would always kind of like cruise and like see what was happening uh see who was around because like one week it was like a plumber's convention and the next week it was ted talks and i ran into reggie watts and john hodgman in the same block and uh john hodgman does not like being approached by people in the street he's an <laughs> introverted person uh and i think i scared him but later i tweeted at him that i was sorry to scare him and he said it's okay well, that's nice. That's but nice. yeah, when when a town is small, every convention like so like yeah, uh, whether it's a plumber or a porn star or TED Talks or like whatever it is, it's all going in the same building. Easy to find. That's why it's like if they are going to do an Olympics, like instead of doing it in LA and having to do the all, I'll spend all that money. Vegas actually has the infrastructure just to host a bunch of people out of nowhere. Yes. They're just good at it. They're they're good at that's all they do is like put people up, feed them. Take them to some extent. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. I uh, no. That's why I, I'm glad that this is a big rodeo town because I plan on going to the rodeo for the first time this fall. And so. That's oh what, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I, I got to get a shirt that says "This is my first rodeo." Right. I mean. This is literally my the first, first rodeo. <laughs> and I'm here to make friends. And then after that, I can say every time, "Well, this isn't my first rodeo." <laughs> <laughs> like and, you know that's uh, there's something about I, I i did you see the ballad of buster scruggs i sure did the the part with james franco when he's at the hangman's news and just like first, first time, time. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting struck they're getting strung up he's already been through it once and he turns over to the next guy and he goes first time um <laughs> it's so good so good yeah my friend taya lux is an is a is a featured background artist in the gal got the gal who got rattled and i'm very jealous oh that's cool that's a hard thing about being in la like i was watching loki and in one episode kate berlant had a spot and josh fadum had a spot i'm like well god damn it i could i could walk up to someone and say champagne like why not why not i'll say this in the two years i've moved since i moved to vegas i have booked more television work then in the two years since uh, before, before I left Los Angeles, I can I, I'll talk about it now because I don't think I booked it, but I did get to put in for the Mandalorian, and that was pretty dope. That's pretty cool. It was untitled Disney, like, so it could be Loki. It was some sort of negative future, and but it wasn't funny. Like I don't know why sometimes these comes up, these things I get them 
these auditions and I'm like, well, this isn't a funny person. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I, if anyone is listening, I would like to book a Mandalorian. Yeah. We, I know we have a lot of high powered Disney execs that listen to the show. So I, what I, what I, under, well, one, yes, I understand that. And that's why I'm on the show too. This is the <laughs> podcast. Like after 15 years of comedy, this is the podcast that I am depending on to break me. So, Oh my God. I just realized that next summer, like next summer, next, next fall, like next summer, next fall will be like my 20th anniversary of first doing like sketch comedy shows and stuff. Wow. Whoa. And look at a lot of experience. You do, you do all that for all those years and you might be able to do two basic cable commercials, a handful of television specials and a short films and an upcoming ESPN 30 for 30 and host a podcast as well. You can do that. It take, Dare to dream. Dare to dream, kids. Takes a couple decades. But you can get there. <laughs> I believe in you. Yeah, you know. I'm, I'm hoping to have, like, see, now that I know my heart's good, I want to have one of those, like, I want to be, I want to live to, like, 95 and be one of those guys that just starts booking work because I'm so old it looks funny. Right, right. <laughs> you, 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 you and enter into the Betty Whiteness of your life. Yeah, like the Abe. I'm thinking more of an Abe Vigoda type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Um, People will be like, dude, that guy was old 50 years ago. <laughs> Uh, one of my one of my most annoying like memes that children do is especially on TikTok they'll do this. Um, can you believe that Helen Mirren used to be hot? I'm like, yeah, all actors were hot. Yeah, that's, that's why part, that's why you're in the business. Yeah. Where do you think that actors come from? Though? And also, hottest people. Helen Mirren used to be hot. Excuse me, exactly. she's still smoking. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, pardon me very much but yeah i i like the, those bikini pics that came out of her when it came out for her when she turned 60 and i saw a lot of my like acquaintances going i hope i look that good when i'm 60 i'm like bitch you don't look that good now Fucking yeah. calm down yeah it's like jennifer lopez now looks better than most 25 year olds in her 50s and it's just yeah. like hey it's, <laughs> so we gotta it's, a full-time, it's a full-time job and she can keep it but she's doing it well she, yeah she's good at it you know and yeah she's good at it dude um, uh, I do do, I don't mean to show, I did bring her up, but I do do a, a one word Helen Mirren, uh, impression that I'd like. To oh, I'd love to hear. hear. I'd love to hear that. Horror. That's it. <laughs> um, I watched her masterclass, uh, and it was really fun for, for any actors out there. And, um, I learned that Helen Mirren is a very good actor and also she is an incredible pain in the ass uh she's very fussy she's not a go along with it kind of gal yeah that, that's a bummer like you know like but i mean that, that's what it is to be a perfectionist is to be a pain like no one ever said about anyone god he was so good at his job and he made such a good product and he was really chill you know what's funny is uh the stories you hear about brando because you either hear the craziest, like insane, like 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 from like Doc, Island of Doctor Moreau, where it's like, no, he would he wanted to shoot scenes with a birdcage on his head or whatever, and I thought it was normal, like like crazy stuff like that. But then you hear stories from like The Godfather, where Robert Duvall would say like, oh yeah, we used to have me, him, and Jimmy Khan used to have mooning contests. Oh my god, I can do a Robert. That that wasn't a bad Robert Duvall. I think I can work on like me and Jimmy Khan. Put that. I, I think, yeah, you can put that in your wheelhouse. I just learned this about uh, uh, about Marlon Brando, and I thought found it fucking fascinating. 
that he mumbled through all his lines on purpose because he said, as an actor, you don't get to control what take they use. But if I mumbled through all my lines always, I knew I was going to get brought in to do ADR. Oh. And then I could decide and how, how I'm going to do it. That's genius. What a fucking genius psychopath move that is. <laughs> yeah, that's some fucking like, <laughs> dude, like, yeah, that's, you're definitely a psycho, but man, the guy had some great performances. I mean, you can't, yeah. I thought you were going to say favorite thing about him, which is my favorite thing about him is that he fucked Richard Pryor. <laughs> Why not? You know, like you know what you know what, Scott? Who didn't? Yeah, I mean, I think that's so cool. Like, the, maybe the best ever in both their fields. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, like there was a story going around a couple years ago. Like, oh, Bowie fucked Mick Jagger. I'm like, wouldn't I mean? Why, yeah, why wouldn't you? you? Yeah. Why like, would, like for either of them? Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Especially exactly. at that time in the '70s, where like they're basically both make supermodels. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, what, what, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? See, this show um, fully endorses being as big of a D-Gen as you can possibly be. And so yeah. if you're Mick Jagger, how D-Gen can you get as Mick Jagger? Well, you fuck David Bowie. That's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's see. Marlon Brando, David Bowie. Oh, boy. I, I love how Brando was like the love of Rita Moreno's life. Have you ever heard, like, seen interviews with her talking about him? I mean, I think... I think he fits the bill. I have not. I've not. I watched his E True Hollywood story. I'm a, I mean, I'm a huge brand of man. I watched his E True Hollywood story like years ago. And uh, like, I guess the thing that shaped his life, the the thing that made him the, the, this brooding man we would know for as a, that became this icon, the thing that like shaped him the most in his childhood is his mom ran like this boarding house. Mm-hmm. And his dad was like a fall down drunk, right? Like, just like, was, was, and his mom like kind of ran everything. And he walked in on his mom having sex with a one-legged Swedish sailor that was staying in their boarding house, and it, like it like kind of shattered his image of family and all this stuff. And like he always kind of in Sweden. yeah, yeah. And I just think like a one-legged Swedish sailor is such a perfect goddamn detail. Like was it walked into my mom having sex with a boarder? That alone is traumatizing enough for a child. We get it, but the the detail of one-legged Swedish sailor really paints an image there <laughs> i um speaking of living legends i uh i picked up i've been frequenting my little free library in um silver lake which for the one on not, uh on the boulevard there like on glendale well this one okay so i live on waverly drive which is of course the um the, the la bianca murder house la bianca house the second manson murder house yes which until recently, I don't know if it sold, but it was on the market. And I went and looked at the Redbird list or the Redfin listing. And the listing said, be a part of Los Angeles history. Oh, but they didn't say like which part. That's rich. <laughs> uh, it's so LA. But no, my, my little free library that I go to the most is next to an elementary school right off of Rowena. I know exactly which Lowe's one. Restaurant yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. Down the street from a 7-Eleven that you and I used to go to. Yeah. Um, I used to and, work at. Uh, I know, um, <laughs> but I picked up, I picked, I picked up some great things at this little free library. Um, I picked up, uh, the, um, the Amy Poehler book. I picked up the Tina Fey book 
Um, I think someone definitely quit acting over COVID because uh, there was like several books on like how to be an actor. And like one of them was inscribed and said, Patrick, I think you're such a genius. I know we're going to see you on television soon. I'm like, oh, but I also picked up a, uh, a box set of a Lenny Bruce CDs, which I think and it was very fancy. And I think it's definitely how Lenny Bruce would have liked his CDs to be packaged. But speaking of DJs, you know, and I've always, uh, I think so many comics are fascinated by Lenny Bruce and his story. I read his book when I was in middle school because I wanted everybody to know. I gotta say, like, I, I was obsessed with him too, but it's because I liked the Dustin Hoffman movie about him so much. Yes. And it's, and it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. And I love Bob Fosse. Who I think Bob Fosse's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing yeah. director. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. So I, I just listened to a six CD box set of Lenny Bruce's. And what I can tell you is that inventing an art form is hard. Um, the first three CDs, he's just mumbling. He's just like, high on, high on, high on skag. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but like the audience is laughing. Like it's funny because it's a time where American audiences were like UK audiences now where they will like very thin soup, they will just eat it. And like people are laughing and laughing. I'm like, there wasn't even a joke there. At the third CD. He yeah, there's only like six comedians on the planet back then. It was easy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does it mean to be a comedian? Like, 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 he's going up. It was very all. Two things that I thought were interesting. One, I know that he. I did a, I did a tour of places where Tom Waits did stuff in the 80s in LA. Another guy from Whittier. Yes. The Whittier connection. Yeah. Um, but like Tom Waits, evidently, uh, Tom Waits used to go to a gay bar because it was around the corner from a recording studio he used off of Sunset and around the corner from the Ivar. Um, and the, oh, the, song, the, uh, the, the spotlight. Yeah. I, the I hung out there before. Yeah. That place was cool. Yeah. Uh, and the song goes like, uh, 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 down in the sewers. Uh, a buck a tune for pop tunes and a, and a fin for guided tours. And it's talking about LA's first gay bar, which was called the sewers of Paris in the seventies. But before that it was called like so-and-so's hideaway, but it, it was the first gay bar in prohibition because they were like, well, it's already illegal to have a bar. Let's go ahead and have let's, two birds, you know? But anyway, it was a gay bar for years and years. And evidently George Carlin met Lenny Bruce there Whoa. And Lenny Bruce convinced George Carlin to get away from his persona, the hippie Debbie Weatherman, and start doing real stuff. And you can hear, like, Lenny Bruce is kind of doing this, like, beat poetry, like, slam poetry horse shit. Yeah. And you can hear that in George Carlin, that he just took that and made it, like, two degrees cleaner and then ran with it. Like, you see the seeds of a lot of things in Lenny Bruce that maybe didn't, like blossom under him but blossomed under other people and the other funny thing was he had this bit uh our friend rick wood was telling me about his favorite lenny bruce bit and he was like all i remember is a guy with shit on his face i'm like classy and i heard i'm like i'm like i'm like i heard i'm like it is funny rick because it's 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 um a letter exchange between lenny bruce writing a guy who runs um the ticket kiosks in the subway so he, Lenny Bruce is doing this like obnoxious customer service character. And I was like, wow, you know, I really thought all comics invented that in the nineties. Remember when they would just like write absurd 
like complaint letters and like read them on stage. And I'm like, oh, Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce is, yeah, yeah. So he really did invent everything. I think he was at his funniest when he was making fun of showbiz, movies, yeah. and like celebrities. Like, I think he was absolutely at his, like, like, I mean, he was almost like the David Spade. You can see like the David Spade Hollywood minute almost comes from old Lenny Bruce in a weird way. Right, because he was he was plugged into everything, but also felt that he was above it. But he yeah, had a, that funny was, bit about uh, golden, I will say, in between the mumbling, and then the last three CDs, which are just him reading, reading court, the yeah. minutes from court yeah, documents, yeah, yeah. which I understood why he was because like, why should it be illegal to say cocksucker? Like, why should why should that be illegal? I understand the absurdity of it, but it's not really comedy as we know it today. But like, there was a golden moment where he was making commentary about the hypocrisy of the rich and white and, and, and that there was a shining star, but it was brief. Yeah. It was brief. I really liked the bit he did about Bella Lugosi. Like it was like, it was a kind of like his commentary on drugs, but it was just like, dude was a stone junkie for 30 years, quits mm-hmm. for two weeks and dies immediately. That's a hell of an anti-drug adder. I mean, it's like, and it's like that kind of bit though. You think about it, like, that could have easily been done by Bill Hicks in the 80s, yeah. you know, making fun of Reagan's war on drugs kind of thing. Like, I mean, like 100% could have worked. Like, so no, like, like that kind of stuff, though, I think that's when he was really at his best. Uh, and, and, and like Lenny Bruce and Bill Hicks have a lot in common. Like I, I'm personally like I'm from Texas originally. I don't like to talk about it because I don't like it there. Um, don't make me go back. But I, I, I grew up as a Texas weirdo and I identified with Bill Hicks like a tremendous amount. But Bill Hicks and, De- and Lenny Bruce have an important thing in common, which is that uh, two different groups of people come away with very different ideas. Like dumb people, and when I say people, I mean guys, right? <laughs> come away from Hicks and say what was great about him was that he talked about porn and dirty stuff and like that's what made him a genius. Um I see him as someone who brought like philosophy and absurdity. And again, like Lenny Bruce is like the absurdity of society, the absurdity of like, I think Hicks was kind of ahead of his time where he was giving us a glimpse of the corporate takeover that was like, he was telling us what was going to happen long before it happened. He, he, no, he, he had an ability to see the big picture that, that few people had at the time. Uh, And it's not all about, pussy eating jokes and dating people who are way too young but yeah um but it's funny like what what people what people remember these guys for was just like oh dirty stuff meow 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 um but there was there was some there was some some gold among the you know among the 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 seed there i love the hicks because i'm a big kennedy assassination guy so i love the hicks stuff about that where he's like uh but the, the joke he has about how you think Jesus wants to see a cross when he comes back? That'd be like walking <laughs> up to Jackie Onassis wearing a rifle pendant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like that, that's my kind of joke right there. That's Mwah. my kind of joke. I'm into that kind of that that level of crass. I mean, it's good. It's it's crass, but good. Hey, I haven't talked about this on the show yet. So before we get out of here, I, I kind of wonder your thoughts. Did you see that baseball crank? Like that awful National Review guy, Dan McLaughlin. Did you see that tweet he did about Biden's dog dying? Which, honestly, to me, that was like, he's like one of these awful neocon National Review type guys. And to, a lot of people took a lot of offense to this joke. 
but I thought it was funny. And like, I know I was like, oh. I don't know it. Okay. It was like, it was when the Biden's dog died last week or whatever champ. Right. Okay. So it was like champ Biden dies and major lives on the Biden family tragedy in miniature. And it's like, that's a perfectly layered, awful import taste joke. And I'm like, and he took like crazy amount of shit from it, from every like, CNN blue check mark analyst type person, you know, and it's like, and yeah, I know, and he is a horrible person. Don't get me wrong, but to me, that was one of those situations of a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters will eventually write the works of Dickens. And that's a funny joke. And for people that were like, got like super offended by it, I'm like, I don't care. Like, I know he had family tragedy and all this stuff, and like his son died, but it's like, once you become successful and famous enough to be president of the United States, the most tragic things in your life is for public humor consumption. I'm sorry. I didn't make the rules. Okay. <laughs> like, no, you're right. Those are the rules that we operate by. Um, I've, I've left Twitter mostly because it's a microcosm that no one gives a shit about, but Twitter, but Twitter's like, no, we canceled that person. And the rest of the world is like, I don't, he's just I, I, a game show. Yeah. 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 It's like they're on. T- yeah. I, no I, one, no one operates by Twitter rules. You guys, I said that I believe on the Cornell episode where I was saying, well, cancel culture doesn't, I mean, it doesn't actually exist. It's not real. It's not yeah. real at all. Like every time one of these dudes get canceled, they usually get a better job or like a higher paying job for bigger assholes. Like, right. Well, and my, my, my like true deep thoughts about cancel culture are like, like I had, like, I was optimistic about it because I mean, it it originated from a real thing. Like we wanted like some sort of a people's justice because previously when you said, Hey, that guy did something like really uncool, uh, people would go like, Oh, that's too bad and walk on. Yeah. And so like, it was tempting to think like, Oh, we've got, we've got some sort of like a, a system. Um, but it's, it's not real and um the people railing against it like know it's not real and like they're getting more money and more prestige than ever for just like railing against this thing that is made up but um uh it does yeah it doesn't work what i mostly see is like there's a um high-end cancellation where you're very very famous and so any minor problem will pass through the system immediately and people will get very much. I, I mean, Harvey Weinstein's the only one to actually be, like, or Cosby, but it's like, no, they were going yeah. to jail for crying. <laughs> like, yes. it's like... Yeah, but if you're, if, you're, if you're a famous man, really, you're only canceled while you're in jail. And then when you're out, Chris Brown, you're Mike un- Tyson. Mike Tyson, yeah, exactly. And then the, on the low level, it's just crabs in a pot of lo- local comics canceling each other. Yeah. There's, all these people, there's people in the middle who are not famous enough to cancel. Yeah, which just, is a really weird phenomenon. Like, there's 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 good documentation that Jeff Ross uh, ha- raped a 15 year old. Yeah, um, but no one he's not famous enough. All he's that all that happened out of that was Earl Skakel wasn't allowed to do his roast because he would have made jokes about yes. it. And, and, and like the and like he wound up being one of the bookers for the hysteria like women's comedy. Oh show. my god! Like it's absurd. It's absurd. Can't yeah, no, it's. Not- Anyone who says it is. There's two people. There's the people that rail against it. And then there's the people that think that they can make it work for them and use it as like a status symbol. Like, hey, I helped get this person can't look at, you know, like like they get their self-worth out of it. But the problem with that is, like you said, like it just becomes a bunch of local comics at an open mic 
trying to pick each other off. Like it becomes the last scene of Reservoir Dogs, where they're all just right. sitting around pointing a gun at each other. Because <laughs> well, you can, you, and like the sad thing about being a woman in comedy is that we used to like try to keep lists of like who's a scumbag, and it's a full time job. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is with me. Everybody like rolodex <laughs> of assholes, and you have to work with the assholes. Like it doesn't serve us. Like what we've come to the conclusion of is it doesn't serve us to not work with assholes because there's always some other asshole who'll do it. Um. So yeah, no, it's 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 not real. Yeah, and, see, I'm uh, I'm open. Uh, that's why my show is about me being a scumbag because it's easier than actually. Like I broadcast it. I take, but see, yeah. I don't do Let actual. I don't do like horrible things. My worst things are like, you know, I smoke and drink and gamble and shit. Like, I, don't know, I guess that's pretty bad. Yeah, like a scumbag. Uh, but I will like just as long as I'm bitching about it because it is, it's very questionable. But it's one of my favorite things to bitch about because it, so much is made of it. But like everybody thinks that Hannibal Burress is this great guy because uh, he outed Cosby. He only did that because Cosby was shitty about about him as a black man and criticizing <laughs> black men for not behaving in this correct way uh hannibal's no friend of women he, he, he told a friend of mine aren't you a little ugly to be talking to me like i've done shows with hannibal he never talks to me because i'm not like he's not interested in having sex with him i mean, me i'm not interested in having sex with him it's like a mutual thing we have going on uh we can't seem to connect on it uh he's also an asshole yeah like i mean the guy's gone out of his way to tweet about uh his tenants as a landlord kind of thing like yeah. how bad they are like if that doesn't say like doesn't i mean Nah, yeah, it's it's funny to me because like I I kind of like I try to like oh yeah the, that guy's a scumbag that guy's a scumbag, and then like I remember you can't do it. It's well, a big thing for me was I remember a lot. So many people kept telling me to submit for Ari Shafir's story uh, Comedy Central oh, show, right? And I was like, no, but that guy's an asshole. I'm gonna fuck that guy. Yeah. I don't want I don't You're want my TV right. stand up de- debut to be on his fucking show. I was like, fuck. people were just amazed that I had that that moral ground. Like people were blo- and people who I thought had a moral ground were no. blown away by that. Like, but they're like, that story's so funny. That would be perfect on that show. I'm like, fuck him. You know, I like want my, my I don't want my career tied to an asshole. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, me and my like pot, like what we have determined is that if you never want to like work with an asshole or a scumbag or someone who will say chinks on stage or a rapist, you just can't work with men. I'm trying to as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you, you know? And, like, in that situation, too, with Ari, it's like, I mean, what really, like, so, I mean, because he was a, a, an asshole personally to me in my Montreal showcase. And so, but, like, I'm not going to be that petty about that. No, what pissed me off was how he outed a comic by name in his special who was disabled and shit all just, over. Just shit all over her, and there was no joke there. Yeah, it was like, just it absolute was... cruelty. And it's like, you're going to close a special with that? To me, I have no respect for that comedic... Just... Yeah. fuck all the moral fucking implications of it. I have no respect for, I have no respect for that comedically like that's bottom line yeah and, yeah. 100%. yeah I think you're right I think if you uh, I think if you work with people who you genuinely think are funny and who you don't you don't have videotape of them raping anyone you'll do okay yeah, yeah. like yeah I mean like that's like every time I ever booked a show or whatever, I would always try and get like a different mix of people that people would normally not see on a lineup. But the mm-hmm. problem with doing that is, is like when you start trying to reach into other scenes, even kind of and stuff, you just don't know what people's histories are with each other. No. And, and I've made mistakes as a booker in the past. And like where I put people kind of in, I, I didn't know I booked two X's, you know, 
And it's like, hey, I didn't know that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, and you know, and the female in that situation canceled on me. I had no problem booked her on the next show. It was ab. But see, like, there are honest mistakes like that that people make, sure. and like, no, and that's and that's and that's deeper than you should go like ever go into it. Although, if there's any women in comedy listening, uh, I'm sure that that's mostly Scott's um, listenership because he's a hunk. You know, he's a <laughs> he's a grade A prime rib beef. Of course, but, I am. Um, you know. <laughs> but if you're ever thinking about dating a man in comedy, like, don't do it because yeah. not only does it lead to awkward situations uh, like at the Scott show, but um, men don't get into comedy because they have great social skills or earning potential. Yeah. Like that's not what drives that. No. Just yeah. Don't do yeah. Don't like, I, I, I mean, I always did my best. I never dated comics, you know? And it was just like, yeah. I always dated outside the comedy scene and it, it's too complicated. It gets too complicated because guys who have like two months of open mics over a lady will date way out of their range just because it's available to them. And then like, Comics who are kind of famous now, like there's someone who is doing very well, but like when he was a baby in my scene, he was dating a girl and they broke up and he was complaining to me. He's like, well, she's still like hanging around. I'm like, yeah, she's still a comic. Yeah, that's how it is. Doesn't have anything to do with you. Guess what? It never did. Yeah. No, no. no, Like, I mean, it's so like I, I, uh, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into it, but like I've heard like I remember a guy telling me a long time ago. How he was like, oh yeah, why do you think I book an all girl show? It's like, so I can hit on the girl. And I'm like, like, you're making it obvious already that that's what you're doing. I, I bet I can tell you who it was. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I was like, I was just kind of like, I kind of looked at him. I'm like, you're already making it pretty obvious. I'm like, you should probably never tell that to anyone ever again. Never, never, ever say it. No, yeah, th- those words should never come out of your mouth ever again. Like. <laughs> That's a nice thing to close on. Yeah, that is a good thing to close on. So where can people find you, Virginia? Hey, um, I've got a website. It's got a lot of stuff about me. But more importantly, is I've got a TikTok. And it's at Badinia, B-A-D-I-N-I-A. And um, I got to tell you, I got 13,000 followers. I think that's the most anyone's ever had. Because <laughs> I'm not very good at math. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's like the Mr. Show sketch. This, 24 is the highest number. <laughs> Th- yes, thirteen thousand is the highest, highest number. number. It's the highest number, and I assume that statistically, at least half of your listeners are from Northern California. I am going on the road to do shows in Santa Cruz and Monterey, July 9th and tenth. Uh, so I'd love to see you at either of those. Oh hell yeah, yeah! Um, Santa Cruz is great. My brother went to school at UC Santa Cruz. Great, He's great city. Yeah, he is a slug. Uh, it's a it's a cool area up there, cool scene. I remember uh, done some several road trips up there. I love that drive. Like that's one of my favorite drives you can do in California. Lovely, isn't it? It's yeah. it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the show. And if you want to keep supporting the show, head on over to Apple or iTunes or whatever you listen to the show at, and give us a five star review and leave a little comment. You can say, uh, "Scott uh, has a." I know my brother told me today actually when he found out about my cardiologist appointment. He was like, cool, you can do some deep fried cocaine now because your heart's okay. <laughs> well, sincere I th- congratulations on getting a clean bill of health. I'm really stoked for you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm pretty happy. But uh, no, it would make me even happier is if you guys went on there and said, Scott has good heart or some shit in the comment section on the yes. show. And if you really want to get into the bonus content, you can go over to patreon.com slash Luxstopspod. 
And make sure you're following us on social media at, at LuxOpsPod. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, joining us. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure next episode's with Nate Craig, but he might be on the road, so we might have to reschedule. But anyway, I'll be back with some more great guests. I got some fun stuff coming up. Uh, the writer and producer of the new movie, uh, Too Late, uh, my buddy Tom Becker. And I, I can't remember the director's name. I can't remember it for life of me. I'm sorry. But they're coming up next week. So, uh, and Joe Kilgallen, Chicago, great Chicago comics coming up. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And I will see you all next episode.